Hello, everyone, and welcome to Friends of the Force, a Star Wars podcast, or as in today's show, a Marvel podcast. I'm your host, Brad. I'm your host, Sarah. And welcome to our episode on the one and only Loki. We are so excited. The season just ended last week. Season one out of what's going to be season two coming soon. Very, very exciting stuff. And to kick off this next episode in our Marvel series, Friends Assembled, we are joined by uh, probably the biggest Loki expert out there, at least that I know, which is why we brought her on the show today, Alyssa Bradley. Welcome. So excited to have you. Yes, thank you for having me. (laughs) We are just like over the moon to talk about the show because Sarah and I have just been like DMing back and forth and we're just like every week, just all the craziness that's been happening this season. And for those of you listening, this is going to be a full spoiler discussion on the first season. So if you haven't watched any of the episodes or you still haven't watched the finale, don't listen to the rest of this. (laughs) Go back, watch those first and then listen to this afterwards. So that disclaimer is out there. But before we get started, uh, Alyssa, I'd love to hear from you, just kind of what you do in the uh, online community, um, whether it's around Star Wars or, or Marvel, and also just what's your personal history uh, with Marvel? Yeah, sure. So I guess I'll answer the first part. Um, a lot of people might know me. I worked on the uh, docu-series Looking for Leia. I was heavily involved with that. Um, so that's kind of how I got connected to the Star Wars. Twitter community. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, mostly online, I'm just yelling about all things Marvel or Star Wars. It's mostly nonsense, really. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm an artist, um, so I do illustrations. So uh, I am a collaborator in the Celestial Sisters um, designs with Savannah and Tori. Um, I do illustrations for those that you can purchase on merch and stuff. Um, and then I do a lot of like fandom fashion um styling so just basically like wearing outfits that are inspired by some of my favorite characters and a lot of that is Loki so mm-hmm. uh yeah um and then for the second part of your question so oh my my history with Marvel <laughs> it goes way back um i think i actually first got into Marvel when the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies uh came out when i was little <laughs> Um, and so that's why I'm super stoked for Multiverse of Madness because I feel like it's um, a return to that with Sam Raimi back in the and Marvel universe. Um, but yeah, so I, I really fell in love with those movies. I was like, oh, comics, like this might be something that I'm into. I was obsessed with Spider-Man. Um, and then I wasn't really into the MCU at first. I didn't, I wasn't connected enough to understand like what it was, what was going on because I was just Spidey obsessed. That was all I cared about. <laughs> Um, and someone in high school on a whim was like, Hey, you want to come see Iron Man two with us? Which I find that hilarious that that was like my first MCU movie, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I went and I was absolutely in love. Like I was hooked. And from that moment, like I was full in on MCU and I've seen every single Marvel movie in the theaters. Um, yeah, just more and more, the more that I've been watching them, the more I get interested in different characters. And then as I really in love with new characters i'll try to dive into their comics more yeah <laughs> yeah what is it about loki in particular i mean you have a, a really strong admiration for that character mm-hmm. what is it about him like when did you first see him on screen like was it 
when you saw Thor originally and, and just kind of how has your love for that character grown over the years, especially mm-hmm. now, now that we've seen him in so many places and you just can't seem to get rid of a Loki no matter how hard you try. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Yeah. So I actually, hilariously enough, I saw the first Thor and I was just kind of like, okay, like I didn't really have any big takeaways from that movie, which is maybe <laughs> terrible. I don't know, but it wasn't until I saw Avengers and I was like, oh, Loki is my favorite now. <laughs> um, I don't, I think it would just, I don't know. Like he just was really compelling. I love villains. Like <laughs> I, I just really love that. And he's just so fascinating. I mean, obviously Tom's performance is like absolutely amazing. And he just was so fascinating to me. And I just kind of loved him ever since then. Um, and I think around um, maybe when dark world came out, that's when I was like, Oh, I'm going to start actually like reading some comics because I want to know if this is just how this character is or if this is only a movie thing and I want to know more. Um, so that was kind of when I started reading the comics and seeing that like, just, he's just always interesting. Like just no matter how he's written, I mean, he's the God of like chaos and mischief, like just no matter how he's written, what stories he's in, he's just so fascinating. Um, and I think I really connect with his ongoing struggle of like identity Um, He's kind of always like at war with himself. Um, You know, nowadays in comics, he's trying to do the right thing, um, but often will fall and do the wrong thing. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just feel like that's really relatable. And I've just always like really latched on to that. So it's it's fun to watch, but it also is very relatable. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, Tom has said, you know, Loki's never really had a healthy relationship with himself. And I think that is (laughs) it's really interesting to watch how he's changed throughout the series and how mm-hmm. he's come to be a little more comfortable with who he is or at least owning up to it because you can't really change until you acknowledge who you are and what you've done and then mm-hmm. try to move forward beyond that so he's i was never like the huge biggest loki fan ever like he was always kind of an interesting character and i thought tom hiddleston was great uh in the in the role but now that i've seen the show i'm kind of like I'm low-key, no, no pun intended, or maybe pun intended, <laughs> low-key obsessed with him because it's he's such a dynamic character, and that's mm-hmm. exciting. Mm-hmm. I also had the same introduction to Marvel, too, by the way. Really? The, the, Ra- <laughs> the Raimi Spider-Man films and then getting yeah. a giant omnibus of Spider-Man uh, comics at yes. Midtown Comics in Manhattan. So I still have it. Oh, it's cool. one of my prized possessions. But mm-hmm. uh, Sarah, y- this is your first time on the, the Marvel subseries that we're doing. So I want to know from you... What is uh, your history with with Marvel? And do you have any like standout movies that you've really loved over the years? And like, what's kind of your cup of tea when it comes to this this universe? Yeah, so I am not what you would call a Marvel fan in the sense of like, I am not spending my time or energy or money on Marvel in large part. You know, I'm not uh, necessarily a person who's going to be there opening night of a new Marvel film. I will see it you know and i'm not like buying toys or other merchandise so i'm what you would call a casual fan very casual i have a good Marvel time light. yeah yeah <laughs> and when it, it like when it works for me i have a great time when it doesn't work for me i'm like all right i'm moving on and the good thing is a lot of the time it does work for me and i have a lot of fun watching um these superhero movies and I don't think I've really had any complete and utter misses, you know, they've all provided some sort of enjoyment for me and, and been a good, been a good way to spend two hours of my life pretty much every time I go. I'm not saying, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Um, so I, I have a good time um, watching Marvel stuff, but 
I couldn't really tell you when I was introduced to it. I know that I ended up seeing the Avengers very late in the game when it was in one of the smaller theaters at my movie theater. And I was like, wait, why didn't I see this six weeks ago? <laughs> so, you know, um, I'm that kind of person. Um, I say a couple of standouts for me. I really do love um, The Winter Soldier. I went to a double feature and it was really fun. And okay, I guess I did see a couple of the movies like opening night. I actually went to a double feature <laughs> for Thor and Thor the Dark World and also for um, uh, Captain America and then Winter Soldier. And I really love Winter Soldier. Black Panther is excellent. Um, I really enjoyed WandaVision at the top of this year. So there's been ones that have really stood out for me and those are a couple that have uh i enjoy the new spider-man movies i have definitely seen the raimi at least the first one spider-man movies but i could not tell you anything about them except for the memes of the third one um i'm so <laughs> sorry i'm so sorry um i feel so fake in this conversation um the but- memes are so ingrained in our culture now it's mm-hmm. just like i mean even like spider-verse leaned into it mm-hmm. <laughs> with the with yeah. the dance and the, and the and the finger guns like that was just fantastic spider verse literally a perfect movie like yeah it's true. so <laughs> yeah. so good start to finish that is an yeah. excellent film um so yeah. like i enjoy these movies but um there was a moment the other day when i was talking to brad and i couldn't remember the name of one of them and i was like yes i really liked it and i can remember having positive thoughts about it but no i could not remember if it was far from home or homecoming (laughs) and i'm so sorry (laughs) to tom holland and zendaya and everybody involved nothing but love and respect for all of them i Uh, had a really good time at the movie theater i love you jake gyllenhaal um new best couple by the way (laughs) yes i don't want to like invest too hard in like real people's relationships Mm -hmm. but also like i saw that and went but also my Yay. heart. <laughs> yeah, not to be dramatic, but they're my OTP, so. <laughs> um, which I totally understand because I literally saw like those paparazzi photos and was like, this is the greatest thing. I'm so happy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. And it's just so. uh, I, ho- I hope it at least lasts through No Way Home coming out because that'll just be such a fun marketing tour. It just it'll just be yeah. great. But mm-hmm. I mean, we've kind of brought up Spider-Man a couple of times, and I think that will kind of relate to the multiverse of madness and all of the stuff that's happening as part of phase four and Sarah, you might want to go back now and watch Spider-Man too, because that's going to be pretty heavily mm-hmm. involved, I think with the, with the new Spider-Man. And it's mm-hmm. really cool to see how all of these old Marvel properties are going to start being brought into the sort of multiverse canon or whatever they're going to call it. But the expectation going into Loki from my point of view, again, I didn't, I wasn't like the biggest expert on the character, but I knew something weird was going to happen. Like, obviously, this was something that wasn't supposed to happen. He wasn't supposed to take the Tesseract in Endgame. He wasn't supposed to <laughs> escape with it. When I when I saw that in theaters, I was like, wait, what? 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 Mm-hmm. What is happening? I was just so concerned. And I just knew something was up. And the doors have just been blown wide open. Everybody's been saying this is going to change the Marvel Universe forever. So, Alyssa, I'd love to hear from you just... Like, what were your expectations going into the show? And did those expectations get lived up to? And, and, and how do you think the show is going to change what this universe looks like? Yeah, so I'll say that on one hand, my expectations were kind of low, I guess, because 
Like I literally, so I spent like 10 years loving this character and then I had to watch him horrifically die in infinity war. (laughs) And I was like, it was awful. And I was like legitimately depressed for a year after that because like, it was just awful. (laughs) It was horrible. Um, and then, yeah. And then end game, like he took the test track and I was like, okay, what are they doing with this? And we didn't know about the show at that point. And then just knowing, like hearing about the show when it was announced and just knowing that we were even getting one, like I just was so grateful for anything (laughs) Um, and just that we are going to get this character back. So on one hand, I was like, well, I'm probably going to enjoy it regardless because just the fact that it exists, like makes me so happy. But then at the same time, the more that we were finding out about it and learning and hearing from the cast and crew about what it was going to be about and all these different things. Like I was getting really hyped. And so it was really hard to like try to temper my expectations. Um, But I definitely think that it met them and it exceeded them in a lot of ways. Like I think the biggest thing that I wanted was for it to deal with some really weird, both be really weird in context of the MCU, which it absolutely delivered on. And also deal with a lot of the more like metaphorical themes, especially around identity, because that's like a huge part of Loki's like character. And especially in the newer comics, like they're pretty much all dealing with that. And it definitely delivered on that, too. So (laughs) I am a happy camper over here. Yeah. (laughs) Sarah, what about you? I know you were so excited to come on and and talk about this with us. And I think obviously it's it stood out to you. And I I didn't Mm -hmm. think we would get to do a Marvel episode together so soon, but it's exciting that you're here. So I want to know like what, what was, what was in the secret sauce of the show that just made you want to talk about it and like, just get so you've, you've already rewatched the whole series. Like that's, I, I, I haven't done that personally for any Marvel things before like this, like with WandaVision even Mm -hmm. or, or Falcon. This is the first one I actually binged like again. Yeah. I want to make it clear that I have not seen most of the Marvel films twice. Like I've seen, you know, Black Panther more than once. I've seen, Endgame mm-hmm. more than once. I've seen Winter Soldier more Same. than once. And then maybe like two more. I've maybe seen Iron Man 3 more than once. A couple others. But like, that's it. I don't watch things twice. Generally, I'm not a rewatcher. I watched pretty much the whole series on Tuesday night again. I was like, I'm going to go for it. And it was a good time. <laughs> like, I had a great time. I also have to say that before I jump into why, um, another, I just remembered it. Another Marvel thing that I enjoyed as a kid was Wolverine and the X-Men. It was like a one season animated show. I really love that. It's on Disney Plus. Um, There's something about the energy of that show that I really enjoyed. So um, can't wait for all the weird stuff to happen and we get the X-Men and we also get the Fantastic Four and all the good stuff. Um, I love the Fantastic Four So excited. I know they're objectively not great, but like so, so good also. (laughs) Um, What brought me to New Heights with Loki is weird time shit. And I realized Mm -hmm. I am somebody who just likes when a show, a movie, a book just like completely messes me up with regards to time. One of my favorite movies of all time is Arrival, starring Amy Adams, directed mm-hmm. by Denis Villeneuve. Excellent, brilliant movie based on the the short fiction by Ted Chiang. I, when I tell you I live for it, I mean, I really do. And that has some weird time stuff. No spoilers, but um, it's very odd. And I realized that there's other fiction that i enjoyed where it gets gets very weird in in time and space um there's another ched chang story that i really like called the merchant and the alchemist's gate in his second book of short fiction i don't know it just works for me (laughs) 
something yeah. about the idea of like parallel universes, different versions of yourself, funky ways that like time does not work linearly. Like that for some reason, I cannot put my finger on why, but it works for me. And the fact that essentially the whole show became about this and is thrusting us into this multiverse um stuff like phase four is for me is what is what i'm being told mm-hmm. as like a marvel casual i'm like maybe i'll become a marvel fan here in in, in phase <laughs> four because i'm very excited for all the opportunities and possibilities with with the multiverse and with multiverse of madness and the new spider-man movie as we both you know have mentioned um as we've all mentioned here already weird time stuff yay yeah, that's, that's yeah. <laughs> too long didn't read that's it <laughs> <laughs> For me, like WandaVision was like that kind of weird level of Marvel I, I wasn't expecting or didn't know I needed until I actually saw it. Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I think the good parts were really great. The bad mm-hmm. parts, I felt like sometimes overshadowed the good parts, which mm-hmm. for me kind of kept a, a lukewarm review in my eyes. But then like Loki kind of got back to that weird stuff that's happening. And like at Hall H two years ago, which is crazy to think about that panel trying to follow the live tweets on my phone and like seeing all these new films announced and you could see like the backdrop of all the stuff they announced there's just like the space background with like all these stars and these galaxies and so you got the sense that like something something's going down with this phase and yeah like weird time stuff sarah I, i'm with you i i've been wondering how we're going to integrate other spider-man uh characters into the mcu like where's miles morales how do you get Toby Maguire back? How do we get Andrew Garfield back? And this multiverse of madness movie that's coming out, you know, what like what are Doctor Strange? <laughs> Doctor Strange is never gonna sleep again, let me tell you. That that man is not getting a single hour of sleep for the rest of his life, probably. He's he's done. He's gonna need a five hour energy like every single day. <laughs> Talking about weird time stuff though, like that was announced, right? And that whole space background, all the things up there on phase four, and like we all know what happened, but it's funny because it's all weird, weird in time. Everything's being released at different times. True. <laughs> Black Widow yeah. is supposed to be yeah. first, then Falcon and Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. We were supposed to have Eternals on Shang-Chi by this point. Like, mm-hmm. right. What? And then WandaVision and then Doctor Strange and then Loki and then What If, which is a whole other thing. And then like mm-hmm. Hawkeye and Thor. That's that's yeah. the whole panel up here. But like. Part of me is going, I, I wonder what our parallel universe, multiverse universe selves are and how, how we're enjoying the original release <laughs> schedule. <of> yeah. <laughs> and if it worked or if it didn't, because like Black Widow, Falcon and Winter Soldier are both very like normal <laughs> um, mm-hmm. things. They're, they're not delving into the weird as much. I imagine Eternals is going to be fairly weird. Um, so, and then, and then like the WandaVision, Doctor Strange, Loki kind of trio of things this, this year in what was this year in another universe would have been like weird central. So I I don't know. It's all very interesting to like, think about the possibilities and that's, what's so exciting about the multiverse. And, um, it's, it's uh, fiction mirrors, reality mirrors fiction. It's all the same. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it's, it's really cool that. Loki got to introduce he who remains, who will later be Kang the Conqueror, who is Kang the Conqueror is one of the variants 
of or i guess he who remains is a variant of king the conqueror Mm -hmm. there's a lot of different variants of him and king the conqueror as we know him is going to be in the next ant-man movie also played by jonathan majors so you know that is really exciting and i think it was just really cool how they got to yeah even though that timeline of of the releases changed loki was kind of in that unique position where i actually think it might have worked out for the the better to be honest i think the order now is great because you're setting up all this sort of weird stuff these two characters loki and wanda who are just going to cause doctor strange like all the migraines you could imagine and then it's all going to lead up to this this movie which we now found out loki might be in reportedly as well so that that trio i don't think i can handle it i'll i will melt into Mm -hmm. a puddle but i think it's really cool to introduce it this early and like let's get going with it now let's get into the weird I would be curious, like, how long this goes for. Like, how long are we going to stick with this sort of weird cosmic stuff and this this multiversal war that's now been blown wide open? But Alyssa, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. And do you feel like the introduction of, like, He Who Remains and that twist at the end that, you know, Loki is in a different timeline, seems like it. You know, he's in a different TVA. Heartbreaking, <laughs> for sure, after all he's been through that mm-hmm. that day. But what are your thoughts on kind of just what's going on already with the the multiverse. Yeah. So from, I don't know, I think the multiverse just from like a storytelling perspective, like on Marvel's end, it's completely brilliant because it opens mm-hmm. them up to just from like storytelling possibilities. They can do whatever the heck they want now. And that's like so brilliant. And they've always done like such a careful job, like slowly incorporating like more things to kind of help guide the audience along. So I think about like even the concept of space, like that took them a really long time to even like get to that point. Like literally in Thor, you had to have like Thor sit down and like explain (laughs) like what the nine realms were and like how space was. And then we didn't even really like, we got a glimpse of it in Avengers and then we didn't even really see it until like for 2014 with guardians of the galaxy. And then we're like, okay, well space is now a thing in the Marvel universe. So then they played around with that. And then the Infinity Stones, it took like 10 years for them to do all that stuff. So I think that them using the shows to kind of like spread out, like introducing it, it's just, it's just brilliant. Like, (laughs) it's just a great way to like guide the audience along. Um, And it also is so in line with the comic books. I mean, even the comics, like, you know, there's all the universes in there too. And that just opens them up for all those possibilities. And I don't know, it's just exciting because it's like literally anything can happen at this point. So, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, pulling in their old properties, like, and, you know, they can, they can say things are canon now or like they don't have to, like, it's just all over the place. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's brilliant how they've done it. I, I it's, mm-hmm. it's something that a lot of people I think will diminish to being, oh, it's just like a superhero. They're a bunch of superhero movies. They don't really matter. They're not really like an art mm-hmm. form, but like, Although maybe as maybe as we get more filmmakers uh, like Chloe Zhao, who's going to be doing the Eternals, maybe we'll get that uh, more uh, artistic driven Marvel film, uh, similar to like Mm -hmm. how Last Jedi was very artistic uh, from Ryan's perspective. So but I I think like what they've done with the property is just so insane to me. Mm -hmm. And Loki has really changed everything. And I'm, I'm I've never been more excited for the future of this franchise as i am right now and like hats off to michael waldron and, and kate heron i mean mm-hmm. those two michael waldron's writing a star wars film i couldn't be more excited about that now <laughs> like wait is he really give it to me yeah he's writing the 
Kevin Feige produced Star Wars film. Oh, but like yeah. when was okay. this announced? I feel like I asked this question and you told me, but I completely forgot. <laughs> it was like rumored, I think last year. And like, he started recently talking about it. Like people were asking oh, him and he's like, okay. you know, it's in very like early okay. talks. Like, you know, we haven't really put pen to paper just yet, but like we're throwing I- ideas out. So oh, okay. I think gotcha. Lucasfilm is kind of seeing how successful like Marvel is. And they're like, hey, mm-hmm. let's bring in Taika. Let's bring in Michael Waldron. And mm-hmm. I hope eventually that includes other filmmakers that are also like, you know, really diverse and kind of instill more of that at, at in the Star Wars franchise as well. So I'm excited to see like what's happening with all of these different filmmakers and all these new characters that we're going to be getting. Mm-hmm. And I just feel so thankful for this show like it really mm-hmm. revived my love for marvel in a way that i didn't expect but let's talk about the finale and just our overall thoughts on that and heading into it there were some colossal expectations at least maybe i i did that to myself because i was like okay here's this thing that i really love i've been here before we're in the in the 11th hour I'm disappointed and I feel so horrible. And then I just go into like this little depressive spiral and I'm like, I really don't want that to happen. And I was just so happy to wake up Wednesday morning and watch it. I, I didn't sleep that night very well because I was so nervous, but <laughs> it definitely lived up to what I wanted. It, it stuck the landing. But what did you guys think of, of the finale and what it did? I know there's been a lot of talk about kind of back and forth. Was it good? Was it too much talk, etc. Where, where do you fall on the, on the spectrum there? Yeah. So I, I was kind of in the same position as you. I just had like stupid high expectations and it's so hard <laughs> to like really rein it in. And I think when we booted it up and saw it was only 47 minutes or something, I literally told Joel, I was like, there's no way that this is all going to get resolved. Like it's going to have, it's going to be crazy. <laughs> like yeah. there's no way. So yeah. And I think, I mean, first of all, I loved it, but it definitely was something. So like, actually as a great example, it was basically the exact feeling I had when I saw The Last Jedi for the first time. Because <laughs> because it was that feeling of like, this is not at all what I expected and I don't know how I feel about it. And then you kind of have to sit and like simmer and like just kind of chew it over for, you know, it only took a few hours and just like talking with people and reading things. And I was like, oh, this was actually like even more brilliant than I like even initially picked up on. Um, I I think my biggest thing at first was like, wow, there wasn't a final battle. Um, I think with Marvel, that's kind of their trope is like, you have this big giant blowout, like CGI fest, like super epic fight and everyone uses their powers and looks cool. And that didn't happen. And I was like, okay. But then I thought about it and like the final battle was like a cerebral one. Like it was all like dialogue it was all this like battle of like the wills and the minds and i like when i realized that i was like this is such an amazing subversion of that trope like that's really cool um Mm -hmm. and that's kind of in line with the loki comics too i mean a lot of them is just talking and like relationship dynamics and like it it totally fit so Mm -hmm. um yeah and I I don't think I answered this when you asked it the first time, but I also think that the intro of He Who Remains was like such a brilliant way to en- like introduce a villain. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah. everyone's like, I don't know, everyone was just expecting like King the Conqueror, or, like a basically Thanos, right? Mm-hmm. And then he's just like some unassuming but brilliant and like fascinating person. 
And yeah, it was kind of an exposition dump, but at the same time, like the more that is being revealed, you're like, oh boy, we are in right. for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it's just like these things just start clicking and you're like, oh my goodness. So yeah, and that was brilliant. And like to have him introduced as like kind of a nice, quirky, whimsical, but like kind of sinister guy and knowing that you're going to from now on see like the worst versions of him is like really fun to think about how it's yeah. going to play out. So that was cool. Mm-hmm. I am in total agreement about all of this. I feel like I am <laughs> smiling, like bursting at the seams. I'm so excited to be talking about this despite not knowing a darn thing. Um, <laughs> for me uh, and this episode, I was putting a lot of expectation on this episode because I really enjoy the silky, you know, connection. I love the vibes. And I was like, if one of them dies, I'm going mm-hmm. to be so mad. I'm going to be so mad and, and going like, to become and, the Joker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, not maybe not quite. But I was like, and I want them to kiss. I need a big epic kiss. Please, God, give it to me. And also, I was having that thought that you had, Alyssa, with like, oh, at the at the end of the series, we're gonna get a big battle because it wasn't something I was totally expecting with WandaVision and then because WandaVision was such its own thing mm-hmm. with the sitcom vibe and I really enjoyed that and then at the end it became the big Marvel thing and I was like oh okay you know this is still good but I was like oh we're kind of back to the the norm quote-unquote uh, of Marvel so I was expecting some of the same thing I was like Sarah lower your expectations there's gonna be a big battle it'll be fine Ex- unless it's not and then when we get into this you know what do they call it? The Citadel? And mm-hmm. uh, it's completely like abandoned and creaky. <laughs> and then Miss Menace pops up Hello. and I'm like, oh shit. Like, oh no, absolutely not. <laughs> I literally thought I was hallucinating when that happened. Cause I watched it. We watched it like six in the morning. Cause we did it before Joel went to work. And I was just like, was having my coffee, like half awake, trying to like desperately pay attention. And she just like, <laughs> like blink and she just appeared. And I literally was just like, Oh, <laughs> like, oh, I did not imagine that this, this is happening. <laughs> I was terrified and alarmed. Yeah. And was like, oh, no, this is a horror episode. I can't do it. I can't. Do yeah. It. <laughs> they got it was not after that point. Um, mm-hmm. And then we get the introduction of this character. And, and uh, a friend of mine um, who I went to school with, like, DM'd me after my excitement on Instagram stories about, like, my excitement over um one of the Loki episodes and he was like do you think it's going to be Kang the Conqueror XYZ and I was like I have no idea who you're talking about <laughs> I was like no clue maybe perhaps um and so that's kind of how I got introduced to that character uh so I immediately knew upon him talking and saying oh a conqueror per se I was like okay I know who I'm looking at and, and I think I read a tweet from uh, is it Eric Martin, who's been mm-hmm. doing his his midnight Loki theater um, and giving us behind the scenes details and things uh, and been so gracious and in interacting with with everybody online. Um, but he said, you know, we didn't know. We didn't know if we were going to be the ones that were going to introduce him, if that was going to be our responsibility because of how everything's shifted um, or in other films. And I was like, that's that's a really fascinating thought. And I was wondering how my perception of his character would have been different if we had initially seen him as this like big, bad, evil, evil, you know, kind of guy, as opposed to this 
as you said, like quirky, really intelligent, kind of cynical, stranded, yeah, guy. yeah, like yeah. A loner um, in charge of the entire universe. Um, I, I don't know, and it was just really, it was really fascinating. But I think the thing that uh, was most exciting for me as as I am sitting there watching this episode, I was like, wow, this has been. I feel like we've been going on for a little bit. Like, how far am I into this episode? And I hit pause, and I was like, thirty five minutes into it, and I was like. <gasps> this is a big talkie. Like I was like the final episode is just a big talkie. I love this because it totally subverted the expectation of what you would expect and gave us something a little different. And yes, it is, as you said, Alyssa, a little bit of a exposition dump, but it also gives us a lot of context for what we've experienced, you know, thus far and as well as giving us the setup for what's to come. Mm -hmm. And so it, it did a lot of legwork while I think still being, really exciting and um the way that it all ends for the characters i thought was really exciting yes. and thankfully i did not end up in a depressive rut or you know right <laughs> feeling terrible i was just thrilled that everybody is alive at this point mm-hmm. and that we're gonna get more of these characters beyond just loki and sylvie but also hopefully more mobius b15 um renslayer everybody at the tva um, and more Miss Minutes, perhaps. Ugh, so scary. <laughs> um, um, so, so like that's that's all exciting for me. And I ended up being just really thrilled with the episode. And I definitely understand where people's criticisms that we've been reading online, where you know they're they're upset that it was a big talkie. I can understand where some of that comes from, especially with the expectation of Marvel. Um, but for me, it just totally worked. Ten out of ten. Enjoyed it. Yeah. Had a great time. <laughs> yeah. Eric Martin, who we, we've already mentioned, one of the producers on the show. So he was tweeting last night for his, you know, Loki Midnight Theater. And he said, the biggest risk was having this entire epic lead to a single conversation, but we just didn't want to do the expected big battle at the end. And again, mm-hmm. our whole show is about conversations. So it felt mm-hmm. like it was in the DNA. Yeah, and mm-hmm. he talks about, you know, we don't want the typical big bad either. Uh, he who remains is villainous, but the Loki and Sylvie snuggles are eternal. I don't know if he meant struggles, but both work for me personally. So <laughs> they do both work. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I, I, I do think that is the, the brilliance because I, I see some people saying like, oh, where was the big battle? But then the criticisms like of the WandaVision finale was like, oh, it was all intellectual all and cerebral. <laughs> right. And then it turned into like big battle at the end. Like what's wrong with Marvel? Like why couldn't they do like keep that weird, you know? And then now it's like, now that Loki kept the weird people are like, where was the big battle? So mm-hmm. I think that kind of shows that you're never going to satisfy everybody no matter what. But I personally yep. prefer the more intellectual episode of just sit down, let's chat, let's lay out, not only lay out what Marvel phase four is going to look like, which I think it achieves uh, doing that, but also, like, what is season two going to look like? I think this is more mm-hmm. of a setup for season yeah. two more yeah. so than anything else. But it also works as a setup for the rest of 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 the the franchise. So that is really successful in, in that regard. Yeah. I think that it did a great job. The conversations themselves and the struggle of, like, Sylvie wants to kill this man. Loki actually kind of trusts him because he is now comfortable with himself and he just wants to protect Sylvie. So like Mm -hmm. when those two missions no longer align with each other, that's the struggle of the episode. Like they kind of turn on each other and that's that's where the tension is. And that's where the tension has always been all season. So naturally, that's where it's going to be focused on. And I think I love that about this episode. And if I may, but like, let's just take a second to acknowledge the amazing performance of Jonathan Majors in this episode. He gave 
Yeah, he's 110%. Yeah. <laughs> from the moment he was introduced, I was like, oh, okay. And, mm-hmm. you know, he does so much of the heavy lifting dialogue wise and exposition wise in this episode. And he really is compelling to watch. And mm-hmm. I cannot wait to get more of him in different iterations, especially like a super villainous iteration. I, I, oh, I yeah. think that's going to be thrilling mm-hmm. to watch. So um, just explicit large shout out to Jonathan Majors for this mm-hmm. episode. And I didn't tweet it explicitly because I didn't want to say like anybody give anybody any spoilers. But this is a spoiler episode, so I can talk about it here. And he's recently yeah. Emmy nominated, right? Yes. Yeah, within 24 yes. hours yep. <laughs> of this and, <laughs> and that, you yep. know. For and they and then they canceled Lovecraft Country and it's like what are you doing? Yeah. Like, <laughs> have you nominated. looked at this man? It's really mind-boggling how he's like, yeah, there's just going to be many more devils. There's going to be an infinite number of devils if you kill me. And you know, I'll just end up back here anyway. So, you know, pick your pick your uh pick your poison, I guess. And the most stressful thing about it all is even when sylvie does kill him you can see the look of dissatisfaction like even though we don't get to see her face we only see from behind her as the camera sort of zooms out into the the branching multiverse which somebody said looked like a nervous system like a living breathing Mm -hmm. thing which i think is so cool Mm -hmm. to uh to to characterize it that way but she lets out this breath that's like oh that's not what i really thought was going to happen i thought i was going to be like happy after it killed him or like i was going to achieve something you know and she's kind of wanted to take down the, the the tva her entire life and here she finally is able to do it but it doesn't really go the way she thinks and there's a little bit of a, a subversion of expectations there but mm-hmm. Alyssa, what did you think of her betrayal and that butting of heads like why do you think in that final hour sylvie kind of turns on loki in pursuit of her own goals yeah so i think my favorite thing about this whole like battle of the will struggle between sylvie and loki is because like Sylvie is in the exact, and this is why I don't really understand like the discourse about like, why did she do what she did? Cause like Sylvie is in like the exact same place that Loki has been in for like all of the Marvel movies. Right. Like he, Mm -hmm. he just like had his goal, which is like his driving forces are to like find love. And if he can't find that, then he's just going to rule to like find some sense of like acceptance and power and like what the, the desperate struggle for, forgot what he says in the first episode <laughs> but um you know the the power the desperate trouble for power or whatever but and so but she hasn't gone through all that development i mean loki basically had his complete worldview on that change in the first episode because he saw his like actual life play out and was like oh well that didn't work out <laughs> mm-hmm. so he had that development and but look uh, sylvie didn't so she's totally doing like what he would do um, and I just think that's like so fascinating because it's like this really meta like war with himself in some ways that you're watching, like this inner struggle. Like it's really cool on like a metaphorical level to think about. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, Sylvie has not had the same sort of relationships in her life. Yeah, she's been even alone. if <laughs> Yeah, like that Loki has that has mm-hmm. perhaps helped him to see some sort of different path or allow him to grow his character in, in any way over the past 10 years of films mm-hmm. she's been completely isolated and alone so no wonder she hasn't had the ability to grow beyond that you know very deterministic very you know driven goal uh and and find peace in something else and so when she gets that moment of it 
I think she's authentically feeling that and, and is there for that, you know, um, now that she has one or two good memories, as we, she kind of talks about, um, you know, she, she has that, but it doesn't take away from the only thing she's ever really strove for, striven for in her. I don't know what the right form of that word is, but um, for her entire life. Yeah, it, it boils down to privilege. Loki has had the privilege of, of relationships in his life, even though he has backstabbed pretty much everybody uh, 50 times, as Mobius puts it. Um, and he's like, I'm changed. Not anymore. I won't do it again. You know, and he actually won't. I, I think this and we'll get more into like what the purpose of this show was in relation to his character. But I think with with Sylvie, yeah, she's always been on the run her whole life. And we still don't really know what her nexus event was. And I've heard some people say, oh, you know, there wasn't really much of an emotional payoff with her because we haven't seen that development. And I'm like, yes, but we're going to get like a whole nother season to to develop that out and start to answer some of those questions. And I feel like it does land the emotional punch for me because you you pick up enough from Sylvie to understand that desperation and that sort of almost uncontrollable thinking at, by the end that she can't even stand to listen to reason with this guy that she doesn't even know this, this, uh, you know, this man that she just met. And she's like, I don't trust you. You're lying. Like my whole life has just been this one thing after another that's just cascaded. And for what? For, for you to play your game and mess with people's free will. So like, why am I going to listen to anything you're saying? So like, I understand. And, you know, Sophia DiMartino, by the way, is like unbelievable. She's so good in the show. And I love her. Like, so happy about that. You know, she was interviewing uh, with Marvel.com. And if you guys haven't read the articles that are on there. Rachel Page has been doing a ton of coverage there and it's just like amazing. Tons of interviews with Tom and Sophia and Kate and Michael. So just like go check those out. Sophia talks about how, you know, Loki tells her, I've been hurt like you and I understand, but you've changed me and now I care about you and I want you to be okay. And Sophia said, quote, for someone to say, I want you to be okay, it's such a nice thing to hear, especially for someone who's damaged as Sylvie. It sort of breaks her heart a little bit because she just wants herself to be okay as well for someone else to acknowledge that and to see her in that way. And to just see her is so powerful. But at the end of the day, she still has to kill this guy, you know? So it's a tug of the heartstrings. Do you, do you think, do you think this is a temporary breakup per se? Is she gonna, now that she's feeling unfulfilled, go try to find Loki in season two and, and, and regroup with him and say like, I messed up. Or is she going to go on her own journey of self-discovery? Like, yes, she heard what she needed to hear from Loki. And now she kind of has to find that on her own before she can link up back with him. What, what do you think, Alyssa? Yeah, I'm kind of leading towards thinking that they're both going to have to, like, go on their own ways and, like, figure out who they are, like, alone. Because um, that's one thing... I was thinking about in terms of like Loki's arc because I kind of like spent the finale going like, okay, did Loki have like a full character arc? Like I was just trying to decide like how I felt about that. Oh, he did in some ways in like the first episode, like they totally tied all that up like immediately. But I love the idea of like, so he spent all of this time in the MCU, like thinking he knew who he was and being completely wrong about it and like not understanding himself at all. Like you're so perceptive of everyone but yourself. Um, and then he spent this first season of the show, like completely having that flipped on his head and having other people like relying on other people to basically tell him who he is and try to figure it out. 
And then now in the second season, I think he's completely alone (laughs) again. He has nobody and he's going to have to figure out who he is on his own. And I think Sylvie's going to go through a similar thing. Um, I think that'll be really interesting. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure the resolution at some point will be them finding each other again, but I definitely think they're going to have to go on their own separate journeys. The irony of Loki, once he finally wants to not be alone as Mm -hmm. uh, what's her, what's her name? Uh, Sif. When she's like, you're going to always be alone and you Mm -hmm. deserve it. Right. And when he Mm -hmm. finally figures out when Mobius is like, do you feel like you deserve to be alone? You know, Mm -hmm. when he comes in there before they they go off at the end of episode four. It's like right when he wants it, he can't have it. That's so heartbreaking. It's so heartbreaking for him. Yeah. But to still see that kind of fight in him at the very end was really Mm -hmm. uplifting. You know, like, okay, yes, Mm -hmm. I'm very heartbroken right now. This feels awful. I'm in like my lowest point probably ever. But I'm gonna move past it, take a breath, and let's go. Let's let's do mm-hmm. this. <laughs> and then still run into another obstacle with Mobius and Hunter B15. Yes. Just like, oh God. That freaked Shit. me out. That was so yeah. Planet of the Apes at the end. It was so good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. percent hundred percent. Yeah. Love that. Uh, I was just gonna talk about um their relationship a little bit at the end there yeah. and, and kind of where season two is gonna go. Or and you know, where I hope it's gonna go. I, I think that sylvie is gonna feel perhaps more alone than loki i think loki mm-hmm. and they both know how to function alone but i think that sylvie is going to feel alone because she's betrayed loki and she's made this catastrophic mistake i mean i don't know if either option or any option that was presented to them was a good one but the option she chose was not a good one um mm-hmm. and i think she's going to be feeling a lot of regret and a lot of pain from that and feeling like loki doesn't care about her anymore or is so heartbroken or upset um, or angry that he's not going to um invest in her at all or or care to find her and I think that, as you said, Alyssa, they're both going to go on these journeys of self-discovery independently of one another. But at the same time, I really don't think Loki is going to give up on her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I hope that I hope I saw a tweet and I and think something like he's he's going to forgive her um, and they're they're going to, you know, have a better future. And I was like, maybe in some way he already has like or mm-hmm. maybe he still does trust her. And even though he's heartbroken by this this choice and is upset about it and is driven to to fight the consequences in whatever way he can, and he also takes responsibility for that a little bit and says we made a mistake, um, which I thought was pretty powerful. Um, he knows exactly where she's been or where she is right now, and I think he understands that struggle enough to still have faith in her and still trust her and forgive her and still seek her out. Um, Whereas I, I think Sylvie may not have that trust and, and faith in herself at the beginning of season two. And I think that'll be really interesting to uh, watch Sylvie face those consequences and, and figure out who she's meant to be after this sort of um, choice and mistake in her life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, while we're here, I think we can just talk about the relationship throughout the season. I got I got it. We just got to get it out. Got to get it out. <laughs> Let's kick it off with this quote from Michael Waldron, who said, quote, That was one of the cruxes of my pitch for the series, that there was going to be a love story. We went back and forth for a little bit about, like, do we really want to have this guy fall in love with another version of himself? Is that too crazy? 
but in a series that to me is ultimately about self-love, self-reflection, and forgiving yourself, it just felt right that that would be Loki's first real love story. And to me, this works on just so many levels. Like, this is one of the reasons I just continued watching the show was we haven't really explored this side of Loki before, especially in relation to loving someone, because everybody he's ever known, he's betrayed, especially those he's loved. And I really feel like the creators keep hitting on the fact that, yes, they are both Lokis, but they are not the same. They don't have the same experiences. They're not like genetically the same. Like, they're the same in terms of, like, they are who they were supposed to be in their respective timelines and the Loki family with Thor and that sort of thing. But they're not blood-related, I guess. It's not, like, uh, this weird, incestual thing that people try to make it. It is, you have one character who said everything, and you've had one character who said nothing. Although they kind of had the same starting point. And it's just been a completely different life for each of them. And there's something so beautiful of them really coming together and like those initial, like when, when she first took off the hood in episode two, I was like, okay, there we go. This is the stuff. This is the stuff. I, I wanted this. And even into episode three on Lamentus, which I can't believe that episode is, you know, rated as low as it is by critics because it's still brilliant. It's like one of the best of the season, in my opinion, but just their kind of banter back and forth and you know, she's like, I'll cut it out of you. I'm going to cut the, the temp pad out of your heart. And he's like, oh, yeah, well, maybe we would get away if you weren't trying to kill me every 30 seconds, you know? So that whole dynamic is just wonderful. But like, Alyssa, what did you think of their dynamic throughout the season? Like, were you uh, a Sylvie Loki shipper? Was this something that you had really invested a lot of emotional energy into? Yeah, so I don't think I was completely on board with it until... uh the episode after Lamentus, I can't think of episode four. Oh, Nexus um, event. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I, I don't know, like I don't really get super invested until like the story is complete and I know like where it's going. I try to <laughs> temper my expectations a little bit in that way, but yeah, I mean, there's so many reasons that I'm totally on board with it. I don't think a Loki like finding romance was something that was on my bingo card <laughs> for this show, <laughs> but I'm like completely here for it. I mean, it's, you know, it's something that you had canon all this time and it's so like awesome to see it actually play out. So I totally love it from like a fan perspective to actually see him like be head over heels <laughs> for someone is really cool. Um, and I just love Sylvia as a character so much. I think, and this is one thing I think is getting kind of drowned out. Like she's such an incredibly like dynamic female character that like you really don't see that much in, especially in like a big superhero like franchise like this. Um, Marvel kind of has a bad track record of like sidelining its female characters, unfortunately. Um, and so, I mean, she's amazing because she has like her own goals. She's very set on her goals. You know, she obviously has feelings for Loki, but that is like not her purpose in the story. Like she's not, you know, the sexy lamp or whatever. <laughs> um, and then like on a, on a meta level, I mean, it's just such like a really, you know, obviously, like you said, they're not, it's not like you know, self-sussed or whatever, which doesn't exist. But if you think about it from, <laughs> from a meta level, like, you know, you think about it like this is, they are not the same people genetically, but in the terms of where they exist within the timelines, they serve the same roles. So yes. it's cool to think of it from like that perspective where it's like, they are 
the same, but they're not. And so it's cool to kind of read some of their scenes together as like having some sort of like inner struggle. Um, you know, like it's, I don't know. It's just really cool. Like I like the weird metaphorical stuff. So like, you know, Loki falling in love with her is like him learning to like fall in love with himself and like seeing somebody that has able to accomplish things that he never thought that he like he would be able to do and like that he just has like such an incredible admiration for her like just on a meta level that's really cool um yeah so i just eat that stuff up also i just want to say like in one of the loki comics there's literally a panel where like he is hugging and kissing a version of himself on the forehead so like (laughs) i don't know why this is like (laughs) debated because it's the same thing in the comics it's like this very meta like meeting different versions of himself and there it's like actually like a very literal version of like self-confrontation like self-struggle self-acceptance self-love and i just love that they like played around with that in this context it's super cool i feel like i'm absolutely rambling. i hope that no made you just sense. okay <laughs> I, I'm, I'm drinking the kool-aid here you are saying some wonderful <laughs> things like you put you put it perfectly mm-hmm. sarah what about you what 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 drew you to uh the silky dynamic Yes. Yes. Um, I echo, I echo everything that you, you have said, Alyssa, you put it together much better than I could have. Um, and I had a coworker, we have like a, I work at a bookstore. We have a couple of Loki volume trade paperbacks, uh, like big, I don't know what they're called. Doesn't matter. But she pulled out that panel for me and was like, look at this. And then look at this other lady version of Loki. And I'm like, I love them. I, I want you to know that I love them. Um, and immediately when it was revealed um, to be Sylvie. And that's the second episode. I was like, oh, a woman. I love her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Immediately, like, she's my favorite. I would die for her. Um, and I've never even met her. <laughs> and so that was really exciting because I had no expectations of that sort coming into the show. Like, I didn't know what to expect. I was just kind of here for the ride. And, you know, I expected it to be Loki focused, has his name. And of course, you know, Sylvie is a Loki, but she is not Loki, as as we've all kind of talked about. And I, I agree with you in saying that praise of Sylvie as a character seems to be getting a little drowned out um, in various criticisms or various conversations of the show. And I wish that weren't the case because she is so freaking cool and fascinating. And I can't wait to watch her character evolve and continue to have agency and continue to make these choices and get to have a role in the story that um you know isn't driven by uh like sex appeal or being a being a plot point um specifically you know or like exclusively or you know only existing for the male character like she clearly exists in her own right and i and i love that so much and what i think is so exciting about the both of them together is that they do have this understanding of one another that's kind of baked into their relationship. Um, mm-hmm. And like even a though- dyad. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa, who would have thought? Yeah, I you, know. Could, you, could, you could say that I like, I have a, I have a, a t- like a type or trope, like favorite <laughs> trope um, when it comes to fictional relationships. Cause I'm just like, I'm here for Raylo, a dark Lena, silky. And like, <laughs> uh, you like all of these, mm-hmm. all of these trips that kind of have the same, um, you know, I I've known you across a thousand timelines kind of a vibe. Um, or I've been waiting for just you kind of a thing. 
it's just so good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but in all seriousness, it kind of it it erases some of the not not the getting to know you, but it erases some of the work that has to be done. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but there's a there's a comfort level that already exists in these sorts of relationships. And that's what's so interesting to me. Um and and I find their relationship fun and fun to read about as well from the creators because it's not being approached as an adult romance with people who are experienced in the realm of love and romance and relationships. And, you know, you wouldn't <laughs> this would be a YA novel and not an adult romance, you know, in the sense that these are two people who are really don't know how to talk about it and and really ha- are kind of awkward. Like the, the great um, scene in episode five with the blanket and they're just she's kind of like they're looking at each other like, oh, my gosh. OK. Um, and, you know, just making a glance at one another. Uh, I, I love that dynamic because there's something comfortable about it and something awkward about it at the same time and i may think that thinks i think that's what makes it really sweet um so i can understand where people are like not for me feels a little odd i'm not rolling with it and that's that's totally fair mm-hmm. um but for me it it definitely works and i think all of the um meta implications that you talked about lissa really are what makes it shine because Loki is this character who has always put on performance. You see him in Avengers and Thor and he's just always like, ah, yes, my glorious purpose. And you can tell that the character is, is performing and that's part of kind of who he is. But what I love so much about Loki in the series is that he's so stripped back from that performance and he's kind of really having to dig into himself and for me, kind of getting to understand the pieces helped me to love him more. Like when Kylo Ren smashed the heckity doodahs out of his mask, I was like, yes, this is where it gets interesting because we finally get to see his eyes and finally get to see into his brain. Um, and, and so when we, when we um, strip back the myth and look at their deeds, as one Luke Skywalker once said, um, it's, it's fun to really get to know them and understand mm-hmm. why they put on that performance yeah i i gotta say like one last point on on sylvie and, and loki it does in some ways uh, this whole series even in general uh for me felt like a bit of a love letter to um the last jedi now that we've mentioned it quite a few mm-hmm. times during this episode but mm-hmm. i i really like if i could ask kate or michael a question i'd be like what are your thoughts on the last Jedi, I, I just want to know. I need to know because you have, you know, the throne room scene with the timekeepers. I mean, like obvious, mm-hmm. obvious parallel. Glorious. Yeah, we'll have, <laughs> when they're when they're on the train and uh, Loki throws his dagger across the room as as Sylvie's being mm-hmm. choked out, just like Kylo and Rey tosses him the saber. And I love how this time it just sticks in the wall. She's like, really, really nice aim, you know, mm-hmm. and. When the world is is crumbling around them, Lamentus is being destroyed and they're just sitting there holding hands, like ha- having that moment of understanding um, to me felt like the hand touch scene in, in Last Jedi. Mm. And not to say, obviously, that uh, Sylvie, Loki, Ray and Kylo was like a one to one comparison, but you just see, at, at least to me, it feels like there are some influences there. And uh, I think kind of just the larger picture is like these two halves of the same coin sort of trope. Uh, in this case, they're literally two Lokis who have 
similar upbringings, but much different experiences uh, in life. And that's what draws them together because there's, there's a curiosity there. There's something where they want to learn about each other to help learn about themselves. Although I think Loki gets a lot more out of that than Sylvie does because Sylvie is still building up that trust in other people. She still is always going to put taking down the TVA over Loki because that, we see that is the case at the end of the episode of, of the season. I think this is a great way to, to transition into Loki individually and like what's really be, been his fundamental question with this show. And uh, Alyssa, you kind of alluded to it earlier, wondering if uh, he had an arc this season and, you know, there will be a lot more to to play out with him. But there's this question that keeps getting brought up. He's like, what makes a Loki a Loki? And he tells her we may lose sometimes painfully, but we don't die. We survive. And episode one hit me like a truck to watch him go through uh, his conversations with Mobius. And uh, there's a little bit of uh, understanding between those two. Even Tom had said that with uh, Mobius, uh, he gives him this sense of identity, whereas um, whereas Sylvie opens up about the nature of his identity. So there's a little bit of a difference there. And I love how he's like, I'm smart. And he's like, I know, you know, and there's that there's that mutual respect, but then to watch him see how his future plays out. I can't imagine what that's like. I can't imagine watching yourself get killed by Thanos. And I, I hated reliving that, by the way. Like, even though I wasn't the biggest Loki fan, that death is probably one of the most tragic in the MCU. Uh, you know, permanent deaths, I should say, because the real kick is, uh, I don't feel so good, Mr. Stark. That's, that's the worst one. Mm. But he comes back, so we're good. He is so fundamentally changed by the end of the series. And I, I want to kick it to this quote from tom before I, I turn it over to you Alyssa, about where you think he changed uh, throughout the series so uh tom was talking about how uh, the confession in episode six about you know i don't want a throne i just want you to be okay and it's showing that his old motivations are not the same anymore and he it's really coming from a genuine care for somebody else and he says quote it speaks to a theme that was very close to all of our hearts as filmmakers which was about self-confrontation and self-awareness and self-forgiveness and self-acceptance in some way. That the only way of moving forward is to acknowledge who you are and then change can begin. So Alyssa, I'd love to hear what you make of that quote and then applying that quote to Loki's arc throughout the season. Like where did he start and like where did he end up in your eyes? Yeah. So first of all, anything Tom says is completely brilliant. It's gospel. Like... <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Amen to that. hundred <laughs> yes. percent. Um, yes. Yeah. I mean, oh, I'm trying to think of where to start. I feel like I have so many thoughts about this. So I think one thing that's been really interesting is like how Loki's always been like motivated by love um, and like trying to get love. Um, so, I mean, in the MCU, he did a lot of really bad things because like he just was acting out because he thought that like nobody loved him basically. Um, and he just felt like he wasn't seeing that. And I think by him being able to see his life play out, like his life flash before his eyes in that first episode and see that people like did love and care for him. Like his Odin finally said, like, I love you, my sons. And he saw Thor being like, you know, I want to hug you. Like, you're not you know, so bad, brother. You're not oh. so bad. Like, you could be so much more. Like, seeing his mom again and, like, 
all of this stuff, I think that just made him realize like this thing, like this love that I've been pursuing, like my entire life, like I had it, (laughs) like, how did I not Mm -hmm. see this? And so now that he's kind of figured that out, like, and, and that's what I think the thing like with Sylvie is, is like, he like learns to love her in the way that like he wanted to have love and what he ended up seeing that it was i'm mm-hmm. thinking about like there was it's kind of funny because people were did not pick up on this at the time but then started picking up on it after there was some point in like the press tour before the show came out where tom was saying something about like oh yeah loki you know you're just you gotta learn to like love yourself before you can like learn to love others or whatever and people are like oh i understand it now because <laughs> it's literally <laughs> about like you know loving yourself Um, and I think that's it like he he had his whole worldview changed um, and then he's trying to like avoid the same thing like he's trying to keep Sylvie from experiencing the same thing that he like suffered so much time for and he just like self-sabotaged himself so much for um, and trying to show her to that so I think that was the arc of the season I think there were other like things dropped that I was kind of expecting to get wrapped up um, but I think those are going to be in the next seasons, um, which is exciting that he'll get more time to develop them. Like, um, the, the predestiny versus free will kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there was a lot love of it. hints. Yes. I love that so much too. There was so many hints of like, oh, you know, the first episodes, like you don't get to dictate how my story ends. And like, um, you know, even King at the end, it was like a nice bookend where he was like, here are your two options. And they were kind of like. Um, you know, and then being like, here, I know everything that's going to happen. Here's like actually a script of like, what's going on. And like them being like, how do you know everything? Like, I hate this idea. (laughs) Um, so I think that that's going to be something that he's going to really push against as well. It's like, I'm sick and tired of people like telling me like how my whole life is going to play out. You know, I'm going to dictate my own story. Um, so that'd be really cool. And then him figuring out his potential again, that was something I thought that they were going to kind of finalize more like maybe in a big battle he would you know n- understand his full potential as like a magical being but i think that's to come as well which will be good to give that space yeah too. when i first came to the show i was like wait but what about the loki that we know in infinity war like mm-hmm. what about all the things that he's been through mm-hmm. and it kind of felt like this season he got a crash course in who he was going to become yeah much more quickly than actually living all those events out and then mm-hmm. grew so much more beyond that yeah which is is wonderful to see with his character sarah mm-hmm. what did you think of of his arc i will say a part of me is really confused about how the variants get taken out of the timeline but then i was like and and then their character still goes forward but they just it's because they reset it and then they take the the person out of the timeline it's still messing mm-hmm. with my brain <laughs> I can't think um, about it that hard. <laughs> I can't think about it that hard. And I love the weird time stuff as I discussed mm-hmm. enthusiastically at the top of the show, but it confuses mm-hmm. me. Like the whole thing in Arrival, but I'm like, but okay, if it's a circle, then, then what? Um, but um, what I was thinking about as you were talking, Liz, is that it feels like this show is set up to be a two act play. Mm-hmm. told over the course of three years yeah <laughs> uh, a 12 hour two act play told over three years and once we watch the whole play uh, like it's going to be one full mm-hmm. arc you know one yeah. beautiful rainbow and we're just getting half the rainbow right now 
And it's not like these things aren't completely unresolved. It's like we it's not like we haven't made progress on them, Mm -hmm. but we are getting our intermission. Oh, like, yeah. Okay. Oh, oh shit. Like, okay, I'm going to go get my snacks and use the restroom and I'll be back in 15 for the end of this one. Um, And it's interesting that it's kind of being split up in this way. And I I hear that this is partly because of COVID. It might have still intended to be two seasons, but they had to do some things differently because of COVID, which once again remains very interesting, remains very what ify, you know, I wonder what parallel universe is uh, us, what conversation we're having about this show and um, the scenes that might not have been included or the extra episode or whatever. So it's it's interesting to know that some pieces are resolved, some pieces we've made progress, and some we still have a lot to go. And and for Loki's arc specifically, I don't think I can do a better explanation talking about it than uh, both Brad and Liz have. So I'm not going to say too much about it specifically, but you know, it does feel like he's had the the opportunity to grow in a much more pointed manner especially in that first episode which Mm -hmm. the time theater is a work of art um Mm -hmm. so brilliant and a great way to um do the exposition for his character for people to get caught up if they hadn't um watched some of the movies lately or didn't know his character for you to understand who he is um but also for him to get him to interrogate all of those actions very quickly and and so i have to put major props onto the writers for not wasting any time in allowing him to change and and grow Mm -hmm. and shift Mm -hmm. um because we have seen him in in like kind of two particular ways over the past 10 years and now we're seeing him in like a, a major third kind of different way there's the performance, mm-hmm. there's the like more Ragnarok-y character, and then we have kind of um, this version of him. And I find it all great. On the topic of, of Loki's arc, I think we should uh, address the other Lokis in the room as well. And I, I love <laughs> I love Mobius's quote of, oh, you throw a rock out here, you hit a Loki. I'm just like, God damn it, Owen Wilson, you brilliant bastard. You could just say anything you want, and it just sounds so great. I'm still upset he didn't say wow or ka-chow, um, but he did, dri- <laughs> he did drive a car. Season two, he did. Yeah, he did drive a car, which the people <laughs> making this, the Lightning McQueen- Life is a highway. Names. Have you seen yeah. this? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm just. Oh my God. Oh, it's man. like just him driving in that scene, and then it's like playing Life is a Highway. It's so funny. <laughs> that's like, that's uh, so good. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> He's, you know, uh, there's still a lot to go with his character as well, and mm-hmm. he'll get his jet ski, I hope. By the end of the series, mm-hmm. they can't just throw that out there and never do it. They they got to mm-hmm. at some point. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll two see. act play, two act play. It's not yeah. like he's not going to get it. So he hasn't got yes, it yet. Exactly. <laughs> so in that first episode, again, a lot of revelations happening with Loki. He says, "I don't enjoy hurting people. I do it because I have to. Because I've ha- because I've had to. Uh, because it's part of the illusion. It's the cruel, elaborate trick conjured by the weak to inspire fear." And he's like, "You know, I'm a villain." And Owen Wilson's like, that's not how I see it, you know? So, um, I love that. I love that relationship, that friendship so much. It's, it's wonderful, but he makes this whole point of saying, you know, uh, the most oppressive lie ever uttered is the song of freedom and, uh, every living being with every choice comes shame, uncertainty, regret. There's a fork in every road, yet the wrong path always taken. And when he meets boastful and classic and kid Loki and uh, 
alligator Loki, most importantly, who even Tom has admitted is the superior Loki, which the man has taste. Let's just say that. Mm. But I think it was classic Loki who says we're broken, every version of us forever. And so it was interesting for our Loki, for lack of a better word, to watch how these other Lokis interact and for him to hear that and say, wow, is this like, is this like how annoying I am? Like watching all of these Lokis (laughs) start fighting and President Loki comes along and they just start all turning on each other in that basement, which is just so freaking hilarious. I'm just like, this is, this is so fun. One of my favorite moments of the season. I think it's a little bit of a, of a nod to like what Loki's journey is about, which is like, what, what happens when a Loki doesn't make the choice that breeds shame uncertainty and regret like what happens when a loki makes a choice that is uh, the opposite of those outcomes Uh, whether it's love or uh, hopefulness or all those other positive emotions that you would want to feel out of out of life that sort of elation that you you strive for and i think that's sort of the essence of what they're trying to make loki become is just this character who isn't broken anymore you know and acknowledges that he was on that path and he saw where that path led which is being choked out by thanos and he wants to prevent that from happening i'd love to hear both of your thoughts on just what you think the inclusion of those other characters added to his journey um i think alligator loki just superior king uh king among gods honestly uh he is just a cultural reset in some ways, <laughs> and I'm really scared about the Funko Pop because uh, it's a hot topic exclusive, and uh-huh. they'll sell out in like uh, like a minute flat. So uh, hopefully, I get one of those. But uh, Alyssa, what did you think of of these other Lokis, and uh, especially President Loki saying, "You beef witted half face scrubs"? <laughs> Iconic, amazing. I'm just gonna say that anytime I'm like mad at somebody now. <laughs> Apparently, Tom was like mm-hmm. up all night before trying to figure out what he was going to say. Yeah. And that's what he came up with. I'm just like, God, the man's brilliant. We don't deserve What can't him. he do? <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, yeah. So one silly thought, one serious thought. So first silly thought is President Loki. This is a safe space, so I can say this. But President Loki, like I want him to step on me. <laughs> like, yeah. Like he is everything. I don't want to be dramatic, but like yeah this is yeah. a step on me friendly podcast yes yeah <laughs> martian rose step on me president loki step on me ivar chris step on me we are mm-hmm. we're pro walking that's like i mean that's what we're here to say <laughs> it's just the fact that his voice was like two octaves lower and he just was like more dramatic i was like yes mm-hmm. break being half king um (laughs) so i love that very much i wish we had more of him but it was amazing and then yeah more serious thought i well first of all as for like as a comics fan all i ever wanted to see was like kid loki in the mcu like kid loki protect him at all costs like he's amazing his like comic story is so long but so good and i all i want to do is see him and so like literally when they had the shot uh, at the end of episode four with all of them standing there, I actually screamed because that was like <laughs> a dream come true to see them all standing there like that was that was really awesome. Um, and from a storytelling standpoint, I just love and again, it's like this in the comics as well. Like, I just love how these different versions of Loki, it's basically like a mirror for him. 
like where he's, it's basically like the embodiment of all of us when we, our brains are replaying all the stupid garbage that we said that day and we hate ourselves. Like (laughs) it's just a fun way to like play around with that. Um, And again, a way for him to be more like introspective and observant and like learn more about himself. But then also I like how they kind of are like, oh, we just have, this is our destiny. Anytime we try to be better, we get killed. We're just outcasts and all this stuff. And so that's kind of interesting for him as well to keep hearing that. And I think the wheels are turning in his mind that he's like, no, I want to break out of that. Like, I don't want to be stuck in the same pattern that all of my other selves are in of like constantly like betraying each other, constantly dying when you try to get better, constantly being alone. Um, so it's really cool. It's it's like uh it's like meta it's a wonderful life. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, I just imagine the end of the series ends with Loki uh running down uh Fifth Avenue in New York. He's like, I'm a changed man, and it's like snowing outside. He's like, get yeah. the turkey, <laughs> get the turkey, uh-huh. <laughs> get the Christmas presents, everybody. You know, like he's mm-hmm. just he's just so happy. But mm-hmm. and, and you say those are those characters are like a mirror for him. I think classic Loki is is Yeah. <laughs> I imagine what older tom hiddleston in universe is that that is what he would eventually become had he not gone for the kill on Mm -hmm. thanos had he just kind of played it smart and not thought with greed and wanting the throne had he just escaped simply to live and to and to settle down Mm -hmm. and i think that character taught him the most and then to see you know classic loki do the the force projection at the end luke skywalker style another nod to last jedi there Mm -hmm. Um, and the the ride of the Valkyries playing. Yeah. Holy shit. That was <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, we haven't talked enough about Natalie Holt, by the way, but oh. her music and the series lends itself as much as John Williams does to Star Wars. It's yes. it's part of the it's part of the soundscape. It's part of the tone and the style and the and the uh, oh, man, it's just it's brilliant stuff. Mm-hmm. Blown it's away. It's the theremin, ladies and gents. Yep. <laughs> it's yeah. the theremin. theremin. Uh, nothing is better than a theremin. And the moment that it got used, I was like, oh, yes, this is it. Yeah. I am in love. Like, th- like I'm on board. <laughs> you know, you've got me. The fact that she brought in Fogner for this very mm-hmm. epic moment with Richard E. Grant. Oh, playing King. a version of a Loki mm-hmm. of all things like what a moment mm-hmm. and it's it's really great because I as as you guys have both said I think that the the Lokis all teach him something different and they do it in different ways you know boastful Loki is going on and on about the trade he made and that that was bad and um you know that didn't go well for him kid Loki throws you a curveball and was like yeah I killed Thor and you're like oh crazy we're not going to mess around with kid Loki because he did that. Mm-hmm. And that's scary. And then classic Loki is sitting down and telling him a story. And so they're all kind of teaching him in a different way, which makes it narratively compelling. And also I think more impactful for, for him to kind of understand who they all are individually and together and in relationship to him, because I think part of him is like, well, I didn't do that. Didn't end up there. Uh, kind of did something like that but we got out of it in xyz manner so i yeah i think that he is able to to as you said mirror himself off of them and and also see the ways in which he could potentially succeed them or um be a different and better better version of himself and therefore 
mm-hmm. all of them. Um, but yeah, uh, and we also got to see that with um, Alligator Loki. I don't know. I think that all of the uh, different Lokis really just kind of were fun for the fans as as well as for Loki. Mm-hmm. And that's what made them extra fun. But before we go anywhere else, I would also like to mention Mobius and and talk about him for like two seconds, because I think that Owen Wilson is really doing some of his best work here. Oh, um, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Such he he's so um like understated, but also confident um and 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 Owen Wilson just does a, such an excellent job playing him. And I found this quote before, just before we started recording um, from Kate Heron. And, and it says, compared to the Loki-Thor dynamic, Loki um, director Kate Heron said, Mobius forms more of a paternal relationship. I love the chess match that they have in the first episode. Loki kind of underestimates Mobius. He doesn't take him very seriously. And then you see that Mobius has actually a bit of an edge to him and is just as good a chess player as Loki is. And I just really value Mobius's presence as well because he does act as that springboard for Loki uh, um, to allow him to grow, to poke at him. Um, and they kind of have a, a positive relationship, but one that's also a bit contentious. And um, it was really heartbreaking at the end when the Mobius and whatever universe Loki happy s- happens to be in at this point does not know who he is. Um, so that sucked a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> for yeah. me, especially since he's like only the second person that we've ever seen Loki hug. He hasn't even hugged. The yes. Yet. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. That hug. It's right. Like, thank you. Oh man. Thank you, friends. Like, there's there's such um there's such honesty and like care in in that scene uh there mm-hmm. and again Owen Wilson. Who would have thunk? Yeah. <laughs> I, I at first when I heard about the casting, I was thinking. Yeah, they just got him in there because, you know, for the meme, Owen Wilson, I mean, like, he's always a great, he's always been a great actor, but there's a lot of roles of his that are just kind of memeable in some ways. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you got Wedding Crashers and um, he's done a lot of stuff with like Wes Anderson, which I think is also um, a lot of great work. Um, everybody should Night go watch. Night at the Museum. Yeah. Right? Night at the Museum. Mm-hmm. Also memeable. Yeah. And I'm, I'm hoping the real Mobius is out there. Like, what do you, I want to ask you guys, when I rewatch the finale today, there's the one shot where. Mobius and Hunter B15 are kind of standing side by side and they're watching the timeline branching out. And, you know, he says, I guess this is it, you know, for all time. And she's like, yep, for all time, which, by the way, Hunter B15 icon, when she stepped down yes. in that throne room and she throws Sylvie her sword, I was just like, yes, Hunter mm-hmm. B15. Yes, she's so cool. Love mm-hmm. her. Um, only thing I, is I, yeah, I, I wish we would have actually seen flashbacks uh, when Sylvie mm-hmm. enchants her. I wish we would have actually seen some of that backstory to not just make her feel like a relegated side character in that moment. I kind of want more um, of what her life was like before the TVA. I think that would be really mm-hmm. cool for mm-hmm. season, season two. Yeah. But um, and then at, at the end, we get Hunter and Mobius again, but they're different. Do you think this is a completely rewritten timeline or when Loki got put back into the TVA? Everything was already branching out by that point. So Sylvie really didn't know where she was putting him. And that's kind of the point of her mistake is she wasn't thinking clearly. And she just kind of threw him wherever she wanted to throw him without understanding the kind of consequences that could happen as a result of that. Like, what do you where do you think he is with Mobius? And like, how do we get Mobius back? I'm kind of leaning towards it being like a Thor the Dark World situation, like where all the different realms are like overlapped on top of each other. So I almost feel like the timeline 
and all the branches are just like overlapped and intertwined. So it's, I mean, it's totally possible that Sylvie just like wasn't thinking straight and just like put him wherever, but also I'm kind of leaning towards she meant to just like put him back and just everything got overlapped and tangled and he just like ended up <laughs> like he just ended up in the wrong place. So I'm sure yeah. that like the, you know, Mobius and Hunter that we've been following are out there somewhere. He's just got to like make his way through the layers to get back to the yeah. top. And yeah. As Shrek would say, it's like an onion. You got to peel back right. no. the layers. <laughs> exactly. Olders I mean, yes, have layers. but I can't believe you. Stop. <laughs> I cannot believe. Um, I would totally agree with that. I, I think ultimately that she, um, Sylvie didn't really mean to put him back in a different timeline, but since everything was already diverging, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's like a hyperspace jump that goes wrong. You know, you end up in yeah. the wrong spot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or, you know, so so i don't think it means that anybody's lost forever like we, yeah. we haven't really talked about renslayer at all who yeah is also off doing her own thing who i i also learned is like perhaps like a another super villain of herself i don't know yeah she has a relationship no with kang in the comics from what i understand so that's why people were like theorizing okay okay see i am being a part of the show for a long while <laughs> but i i guess somebody found like her name on her like college diploma in the real world in the high school and was like oh that's the alias of this other superhero or supervillain or so- somebody oh. but um, saw it on tiktok thanks tiktok Brad sent me a TikTok. <laughs> so i learned a lot in that tiktok mm-hmm. um it was very informative. So shout out to whoever that guy was. Um, he knew what he was talking about. Um, but um, yeah, there's so many great kind of character relationships that I think we'll get to see continue to be explored. Because if we're in this different universe, that probably means that B-15 and Mobius have a completely different relationship as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to a more prominent B-15 role mm-hmm. um, because she's pretty cool. Yeah. I agree with you, Brad. I wish we had gotten to see a little bit more of her backstory. Yeah. Um, like when she did the original thing, I was like, oh, we're going to see it. And I was like, mm-hmm. no. But us okay. seeing the reaction on her face was also quite powerful. So I totally yes. understand why they didn't do it. But yeah, I want to know more. I want to know more. Hunter B-15, who are you? Yeah. <laughs> and if, if she survives, you know, maybe she'll maybe she'll uh, do some cool stuff in the MCU elsewhere. So we'll mm-hmm. see. We'll see. Well, I think we're kind of wrapping up here with the with the show. We've We've talked quite a bit about the dynamic with with Sylvie and, and Loki and uh, Mobius and Hunter B-15 just now and also just how Loki has been changed and you know I think ultimately my final thoughts would be uh, this series broke a lot of ground with the MCU it kind of showed that things can be really intellectual and I think the show took a lot of risks that I'm surprised uh, Disney let them do mm-hmm. as much as they did because when you think sort of the uh, inside baseball of Marvel, it's like, you know, when is when is it too much? Like, when is it going to go over the average moviegoer or TV watcher's head? Like, when is it going to be unaccessible? And I think the show did it in such a way that made it accessible still. You know, like, even though that last episode was a lot of exposition, think about how helpful that is to getting the average goer, like, on board with phase Mm -hmm. four and like what's to come and also just getting everybody else excited to say like oh like we know that's going to be kang the conqueror at some point you Mm -hmm. know he's not kang right now but it will be Mm -hmm. and the writing from start to finish was just great the music phenomenal the visuals i love how there is like this 
sort of color grade each episode that represented a different infinity stone, which I thought was really cool. It went from like, you know, red to orange to yellow to all the colors and really Lots did something pink you, and purple. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which speaking of which Loki being bisexual, which yes. is amazing. Mm-hmm. I love how they, they address that and him being in a, a relationship or being in love with Sylvie does not diminish that whatsoever he does not Mm -mm. need to prove his bisexuality at all um so everybody online stop with that uh because him loving sylvie is part of that experience and um kate heron um being a part of that community as well it meant a lot to her to make loki uh bi and it was so cool to see everybody get excited about that but I, i just really feel like too long don't read the show took a lot of risks they all paid off it was a renewed faith in storytelling for me and also took my love of the MCU to a whole new, almost obsessive level. Um, WandaVision kind of started chipping away and now it's like, I, I love it and I'm totally on board beyond just <laughs> my original Spider-Man roots and I'm, I'm invested and I'm excited for what's to come. So uh, Alyssa, what are your final thoughts on, on Loki before we kind of turn it over to what's next and also answer a couple questions? Yeah. So, I mean, I totally feel the same way as you. I think, yeah, like the thing that I'm most excited about phase four is the teams that Marvel is putting together to tell these stories are like incredible. Like, I think it just really shows that the way that they are getting talent from the writers, composers, directors, everybody getting the right groups of people to tell the specific stories, like it's clearly, clearly paying off. Um, cause I, I mean, I think that the teams on the shows have been like really fantastic and I don't think they could have gotten a better team for this one, um, at all. Um, and then I just love how they are really leaning into almost like sub genres, like within the superhero genre. So this was very like sci-fi psychological, like buddy cop even like between mobius and loki yeah there was like a lot of other genres going on in here which was really cool and wandavision it very much was leading into more of like the traditional like television um i mean it had a lot of different genres but (laughs) um i don't know it's just cool because like before they kind of were like here's the marvel formula and now they're like really mixing that up and it's really awesome so yeah i i love that this leaned into that probably the most um and they did take a lot of risks i know some people probably wanted them to take more risks but also you just have to trust that they did the best that they could with what disney would allow them to do Mm -hmm. um so you know i think that's some things that people don't always understand is like filmmaking like this there's literally hundreds of people involved in it and it's a group project (laughs) and it's not one person's decision to do everything um, so, you know, especially when you're dealing with Disney, like they're going to have a say on a lot of stuff. So mm-hmm. I think it was amazing that they were able to do, like you said, Brad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. It's a group project. Everybody gets the same grade and there's a very strict rubric. So yep. have fun. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I loved it so much. It definitely just exceeded expectations. A lot of ways it subverted them in a lot of other ways. And I'm just like really happy with it. And where it's gonna go yeah oh man i was i was dreading wednesday and i was just like oh the timeline is just vibing you know it's like that cat <laughs> that like one cat meme where the cat's just like kind of bobbing its head 
that was just like me. I was just like, yeah. I was like, yeah. Yeah, feeling, and the one that you made with it. the TVA sound and the uh, in front of President Loki or whatever. I was like cry laughing yeah. about that the other day. It was so funny. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I thanks, disgusting film. Oh, yeah, that was memes. great. That's why I'm on Twitter now. I just I just meme it up every now and then. Mm-hmm. That's it. And I cannot make a meme for the life of me, and that's why I'm friends with you. So, <laughs> oh, thanks, Sarah. What are your What are your final thoughts on Loki? My final thoughts on Loki are I had a freaking blast. I had so much fun. I am so happy that I got to watch this show and fall in love with it and just have a really great time. And I'm glad it turned out well for me. Um, and I'm really looking forward to more. And I, I agree with everything that you you said, Alyssa, about just, yes, I you know, you perhaps wish they can do more um, in terms of representation and showing that on screen or talking about it. And at the same time, grateful for what we have so far, hoping for more in the future um, and, and definitely understanding that they're working in a very particular sandbox. Um, and I hope that sandbox will continue to evolve too late still, but it'll, it'll keep moving. Um, but besides that, I just, I just had a great time. And mm-hmm. uh, thanks for having me on this discussion. And allow me to say my, you know, babbly sort of thoughts. About yeah. The show. There's definitely a lot more to come in, in Marvel. And I think the next show is going to be either Hawkeye or Miss Marvel. I think we're going to get both of those before the end of the year after what if uh, just counting live action, obviously. But uh, I would love to hear from everybody. What is the one Marvel project that you are most looking forward to right now? Um, for me, it is Spider-Man No Way Home. I love Spider-Man. Tom Holland's Spider-Man is the best version, in my opinion, that we've seen so far. Uh, and I just cannot wait to see, hopefully, uh, Toby and Andrew back. Um, I know at least Alfred Molina has already spilled way too many beans. And uh, Ash Cross and asked Kevin Feige, she's like, what do you think of Alfred Molina saying he's going to be in the next movie? And <laughs> Kevin Feige's like, yeah, well, you know, some people like to talk and uh, some people don't like to talk. Let's just leave it at that. And I was like, all right, yeah, he's kind of pissed. What? <laughs> I was like, Alfred, just don't worry. Just keep telling us, bud. And uh, icon, icon. But I, I cannot wait for that movie. I'm going to see it like 17 times in the theater. So Alyssa, what are you most excited for? Um, well, I refuse to say just one. So my yeah, <laughs> my two ahead. are uh, Spider-Man No Way Home, for sure. Especially because that'll bring in all the Sam Raimi nostalgia feels. So yeah. I'm very excited. And then Multiverse of Madness. Yeah, absolutely. For obvious and reasons. <laughs> fun fact, too, like Doctor Strange is going to be in Spider-Man. And I, I wonder if oh, Raimi, yeah. I wonder if Raimi had oh, any wow. sort of uh, collaborative contributions there you know like knowing that yeah. his spider-man might be coming back that would be interesting i'm sure he did i know like yeah. michael waldron had to do like they had him working on multiverse of madness because of everything in loki so i'm sure they had like cross yeah work there yeah uh, just warms my heart to think maybe maybe Raimi and, and mcguire talked at one point yeah cool. i think Aww. my most anticipated projects i'm also of the mind that like i can't choose just one because we have so many possibilities now um i won't say spider-man since you both have but i'm really excited for eternals um it's so out of the box these characters are really weird their spaceship is very weird chloe jaw is an incredible filmmaker so i can't wait to see the the lens that you know she brings to this sort of genre 
Um, and I'm also really excited for Multiverse of Madness. I am terrified of the thought that this is going to be a horror movie. I don't do horror. Miss Minutes freaked me out. <laughs> <laughs> so if that's any indication I'm doomed. But I love Doctor Strange. Um, Benedict Cumberbatch's American accent's hilarious. A great time. <laughs> so much fun. I, it works, but it also totally doesn't work. And that's what makes it a good time. Um, yeah. And I'm so fascinated about the sort of like crossover weird potential that that movie is going to hold. And it's going to feature so many characters that I enjoy in the weird realm. Those two words are very hard to say together. So I'm, I'm very excited for that. But now that I look at like this whole thing, I'm also now thinking uh, about Thor, Love and Thunder and yeah. the Marvels oh. and... Mm -hmm. Quantum Mania, which if we know that Jonathan Majors is going to be back for that, that immediately puts that like 10 ranks higher mm -hmm. on my list. Like, yeah, there's so much. There's so much. Wakanda mm -hmm. forever. I'm excited to yeah. see what happens yes. there. Yes. We know that mm -hmm. um, Ryan Coogler is going to be involved in some sort of big series uh, at oh. Disney Plus, like a big, huge initiative. Yes. Really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think Deadline oh, reported cool. that a couple months ago. So they're doing mm -hmm. they're going cool. all in on Wakanda, which is going to be really cool. Mm -hmm. And it makes sense. You know, if you can't really have um chadwick be sort of the focus as as much anymore and that character um build out that that world and let's mm -hmm. explore every aspect of it that we can um and they might have been doing that even before his passing but um i think it'll be a, a wonderful thing to just uh explore that more and i i love black panther i mean i i just updated my letterboxd uh marvel rankings and black panther is still number one for me and loki is now number two so mm. uh, i still can't still can't remove that but uh i'm also excited to see natalie portman uh, as lady thor yeah it's um, what she deserves <laughs> um so Alyssa, like a you said that you icon. wanted uh, uh president loki to to step on you when mm -hmm. i when i see love and thunder uh in the theater my my prequel loving heart who uh had a had a young boy crush on on padme amidala is gonna be like oh lady thor uh, natalie portman she's shooting <laughs> lightning oh god <laughs> yeah. we've come full circle yeah so i'm excited <laughs> mm -hmm. so before we close it out we had a couple of twitter questions that we uh wanted to answer and there are a couple fun ones here so our first one is actually from one of our patrons uh levi He's at Levi Rab, and he asked, do you think there will come a day in the MCU where any version of Loki would be worthy enough to wield Mjolnir? I think that's how you say it. The hammer. Thor's hammer. Cameo. Yeah, that one. <laughs> <laughs> You're, I'm like, wow, I've read this word so many times, but I've clearly never said it aloud. <laughs> uh, Alyssa, I'm going to throw this question over to you because uh, I don't know enough about the Loki comics, and maybe there is something in the comic books that uh, could have already alluded to this but uh, what do you think about loki or a loki wielding thor's hammer and being worthy mm -hmm. i mean i think that's completely possible especially with the multiverse like even if you don't know anything about the comics like that just the sky's the limit at this point i think it's totally possible um i don't know if the mcu will necessarily do it especially if you're gonna have like jane um with me on there i don't know if they're just gonna keep passing that around or what at some point <laughs> <laughs> but I think as a character, I think that he definitely could get to that point. Um, yeah. And it has happened in the comics before. I can't remember all the details of it, but um, that definitely happened. And he was he was able to wield Mjolnir and run around as like a Loki-Thor mashup for a while, which was really interesting. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. 
the timeline would be feral with uh, Tom Hiddleston holding that hammer. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it, it would be like a nice redemption for him because he auditioned yeah. to be Thor. So, yeah. oh my gosh. Yeah. Yes. Can you imagine that? No. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. <laughs> Me neither. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's great. Yes. So, Alex at Alex Leonis, friend of the pod, good friend, uh, says if you had an animal variant, what kind of animal would it be? Guys, I would be a bison. What about you guys? That's a good one. Mm. I probably would be, I want to say a cat because I love cats so much. I feel Mm. like I relate deeply to cats, but I'm like, should I be like Mm. a a domestic, like a household cat or (laughs) like a big cat? Like a tiger or something? I don't know. Ooh. Maybe I'll just say tiger, cat. tiger Loki would be really cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my gosh. That'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. I like how I was like, I'm going to be a bison and I'm just not going to explain that. <laughs> or I like this. Yes. They already have horns. So like, that'd be great. Yeah. Like they're beautiful. Everybody loves them. They mm-hmm. love to bring their children too close to them and then they charge. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, for me, uh, I just, I'm just going to go with default because my favorite animal, a polar bear. It would be polar bear Loki. And um, there's this uh, image on Google. If you just look up polar bear with bucket on head, um, this is what I imagine it would look like. So, would it be the so, bucket or would the bucket have horns on it? Uh, the bucket would also have horns on it. Okay. So, uh, maybe I will make that my goal tonight to Photoshop the horns on there. But um, Please. Uh, oh definitely a Loki polar bear, um, I think would be really cute. Uh, also, very deadly. That would be. And uh, yes. can survive in cold conditions. Although uh, Loki's a frost giant, so right, um, it would work actually pretty well. So mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. there's that. You know what? It really your your now that I think about it, your answer, Lissa, of a cat really ties into Suarez' cat question: Is do you believe there's a Jellicle Loki? <laughs> and I said there are at least three of them. So mm-hmm. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, maybe they could do a song and dance. Hmm. <laughs> I know this is not a serious question, but I like mean, anything is possible in the multiverse. So in the multiverse, mm-hmm. musical episode season two. That's yeah. all I'm saying. I'm putting it in, I'm putting it into the universe. If there are multiple universes, infinite number of universes, there's gotta be a universe where they sing on the regular. So it could be the timeline where cats is has a movie that was actually good and not Nightmare <laughs> Fuel. And it's because the Jellico Cat Loki starred in it. Ooh. Uh, Yes, this is brilliant. Yeah. I really like this. Mm-hmm. So we should move on to a serious question. <laughs> we do have another. Yeah. Uh, Maria at Isabel AMX. She asked, uh, I asked Eric Martin about alternate endings. He said they might incorporate in season two. How could you, th- how could you see this happening? Uh, so I know there was like the footage of King Loki uh, walking mm-hmm. off the throne and uh, the one part of him saying glorious and turning around and he was wearing some really cool armor he was in like uh, tony stark's apartment or the avengers tower in new york uh based on the background so i'm imagining we're gonna see that in season two Mm -hmm. because like sarah said i think maybe season one had intended to be a little longer maybe seven episodes or something or eight episodes Mm -hmm. and they just didn't get to film the rest of it again i don't know that for sure That, that might just be pure conjecture but i'm going to guess that Loki uh, could see a version of himself that did win in New York, kind of like Miss Minutes had tempted him with to say like, oh, I can give you what you want and, you know, you can have the Affinity Stones if you want. And so if we're thinking season two might be 
both Sylvie and Loki on their own. I think having Loki discover other more successful versions of himself would be really fascinating to see. Like, what does the Loki with the Infinity Gauntlet look like? And what is the Loki who won in New York and rules the Nine Realms and rules Midgard? What does that look like? I think that would be really cool. And I, I kind of hope we see that, even if just for an episode, if it's not like a big season long thing, it'd be really fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I've been dying to know what that footage was about this whole time. And I was kind of bummed that we didn't see it. So I'm sure that that will show up in season two for sure. So yeah, absolutely. Everything you said. Is King Loki going to have more influence or less influence than President Loki? Because I, I was I was ready like Wednesday oh. for like the the timeline to just be like moving from like the, it's like the distracted boyfriend um, where it's like uh, <laughs> President Loki is behind and then like King Loki's up front. Like I was like, I'm ready. I'm ready. Uh, but I was I was also kind of bummed. What, what do you guys yeah. think on that? Is he going to have more more power? <laughs> no, I think. <laughs> no, nope, nope. I don't think so. Ooh, Sarah has strong feelings about that one. She does. I think, I I think President Loki is it. I don't know if it's the the suit okay. or the button. I think it's the voice. The voice. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of options here, but yeah. like I think they all come together, create a pretty compelling um step on me vibe. Um, <laughs> we'll see. And yeah. I yeah. King Loki, I have no doubts of his greatness and his glorious purpose. However, it's the suit and the voice and does king loki wear a suit and have that voice if the answer is no then that's the answer for me (laughs) (laughs) i love it well i i think that's a great last question to end on and i think you know we're gonna have a lot more a lot more to look forward to with the character of loki it's it's so exciting that his story isn't quite over because i was really bummed when he died in infinity war but i'm i'm really happy that we get to keep exploring him and i, I hope they don't eventually kill him off um in any any form or fashion I, I feel like he is hopefully here to stay even if they bring other loki variants like if kid loki joins the young avengers maybe that's mm-hmm. a possibility um the world has been blown wide open uh the multiversal war has begun and uh like Alyssa, you've kind of said it multiple times, the the sky's the limit. I think that is really the phrase to go into Marvel with now is just like anything can happen, you know, and uh, Deadpool's back. <laughs> I mean, Deadpool in that ad with Korg. So like, oh you know, my God. <laughs> we're getting we're getting that now. And uh, <laughs> just that was like, that was re- re- literally ridiculous. Absurd. Like, yeah. So brilliant because it makes sense for both of those men. But like mm-hmm. just really, really good. Yeah, so I'm I'm excited for whatever's next, and uh, hopefully we'll be here to talk about all of it in the future. So, Alyssa, thank you so much for joining us for the first time on Friends of the Forest. It was lovely to have you. Yes, thanks again for having me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and where can people find you online? And what do you have coming up that you'd like to talk about? Um. Yeah. So I am on Twitter, uh, usually yelling about Marvel and retweeting dumb stuff <laughs> and memes and trash thoughts and all that stuff um at whimsy designs <laughs> um and then i'm also at instagram that's mostly where i po- post a lot of my like geek fashion geek lifestyle um things that inspire me etc i'm over there at miss period list um and then that's the same handle over on tiktok i do a lot of kind of fashiony things or like marvel commentary movie meta color theory stuff all that fun stuff um 
I think coming up, I don't have too much. I'm kind of boring. <laughs> Just not a good way to sell yourself at all. But you know what? <laughs> um, I think, yeah, I can say this now. We're coming up with another Celestial Sisters collection. Um, that should be in like a month or so. And I think we revealed that that will focus around Fennec and Zam and Aura Singh. So yes, I'm really excited so about exciting. those pieces because they're coming along really well. So cool. Um, that's jewelry and accessories designed by Tori. And then I do um, illustrations that'll be sold on like mugs and stickers and shirts and stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I can't wait to see what you guys create with that. And uh, Zam is going to be fun because I know Savannah's working on her cosplay. Uh, yes. So it's mm-hmm. going to all come together. So that's exciting. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you again for, for joining us. And uh, Sarah, where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter at SCH221 and on Goodreads and Letterboxd by the same username and on Instagram at Sarah's Puzzle Pages. You can find me on Twitter, Goodreads, and Letterboxd. If you want to go on Letterboxd, you can see my full Marvel ranking. Uh, which is uh, interesting to rank like 25 things. Uh, I can't really process it once you get down into the <laughs> lower numbers, but I did it. It's there. Roast him for his terrible takes, you guys. Yeah, please. <laughs> As for Friends of the Forest, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Make sure wherever you're listening to the show to leave a five-star written review if you can, if you're so kind to do so helps other people find the show and join the discussion. So whether you're a Star Wars fan or a Marvel fan or maybe eventually a Lord of the Rings fan, we're kind of adventuring into all sorts of territory here uh, recently. So exciting stuff coming up on the podcast. We also have a Patreon where tiers start at just a dollar and we are so grateful for all of our patrons. Um, Adam, Amy, Anna, Brian with an I, Brian with a Y, Cheryl, Deborah, Donnie, Elegy, Jesse, Knights of Ren, Huang, Levi, Lindsay, Lucy, Marie Claire, Neil, Rachel, Sarah, Cyber Bouquet, Sky Talkers, Travis, and T. Thank you all so much. Yes, and Alyssa, once again, thank you so much for joining us. Hopefully not the last time that we have you on the podcast, especially to talk about Loki. So... For all of you out there listening, thank you. And until next time, Avengers Assemble. Bye.